0: Oh, welcome in
1: the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Brennan. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And bad news flying solo, cousin Shane, true story. He was not lying when he said he's in the doghouse because he missed. The New Year's ball dropped or Georgia's college football playoff win. So he's, he's stuck. He's stuck in a doghouse. I don't even know when we'll get Cousin Shane back on the line. But we do got Steven Lassen, unfortunately not on this episode, but on the next one. It's going to be a hell of an episode. But, hey, I don't want to leave you guys hanging because we had all kinds of news and notes around the SEC. And, of course, two bow wins here. All Monday, everybody was mocking, laughing at the SEC. Well, that's what happens every bowl season. They drop a game or two. You know, the games no one cares about. Everybody opted out. But New Year's Day, post-New Year's Bowls, the ones that matter, the SEC comes through yet again. And we got to start with what used to be called, I think, the Outback Bowl. Now it's Relia Quest, whatever the hell that is, Bowl. Mississippi State beats Illinois 19-10. to What a way to honor Mike Leach by the defense coming through once again. I mean, it it was an ugly performance. All-time bad beat if you missed it. Mississippi State was up 13-10, and Illinois in a last-ditch effort. Kind of a bad coaching job by Zach Arnett and company. You know, his first game management situation could have kicked a field goal, left no time on the clock. They left a couple seconds that gave Illinois an opportunity to try one of those, uh, you know, Stanford Hail Mary miracle plays where all the laterals, they were doing it. Marcus Banks, Mississippi State defender, picked it up, returned it 60 yards for a touchdown. All time bad beat if you bet on Illinois. No one on this show certainly did, though. So Mississippi State not only wins, but covers the spread thanks to that touchdown as uh, time expired. But Mississippi State, again, you know, they won the Egg Bowl thanks to Zach Arnett and his defense. They won this game because of the defense, too. Will Rogers and the offense, they came through, but it was a sluggish performance. Look at their first five drives in the bowl game against Illinois. And maybe uh, Illinois does have a good defense. That was something we heard leading up to this ball game, and it turned out to be true. But I didn't want to give them the credit after losing Ryan Walters, their defensive coordinator. Now he's the head coach of Purdue. But Mississippi State, right out the gate, Punt, 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 and two interceptions. And Will Rogers, the one on the goal line, that was bad. He's played too much football to be making mistakes like that, particularly in the red zone. And then the second one, I don't know what the hell he was thinking. He just threw it up for grabs. It was a really bad start to the game for Will Rogers. I think that's fair to say. But the final five drives included three scoring drives, one of the football game. Will Rogers, like I said, he started out 5 of 11, and he was at one point 11 of 21 through the air. That was after that second interception. But Will Rodgers came through in the clutch, finished the game, completing 16 of his final 20 passes, including a touchdown and the game-winning field goal drive. So Will Rogers, at the end of the day, did what had to get done to honor Mike Leach, get this win for Mississippi State, get to win number nine. And, again, fans somewhat disappointed with an 8-4 season. I'm even seeing some fans upset with real Rogers and Mississippi State after a nine-win season. I know it could have been better, but, my God, just be thankful for where you're at. I mean, the Florida Gators can't even get there. Auburn can't get there. Um, Ole Miss certainly didn't get there this year. So, nine wins it's nothing to look over there for Mississippi State. They have one of the longest bowl streaks, including, the, the, I believe, the longest bowl streak in program history actively going right now. So, again, I get it. Bowls, not the goal any longer at Mississippi State. But put together a nine-win season, that's not something to overlook. And you got players like Simeon Price, who very little impact all season long. 82 rushing yards on the season. But in a game like this with no Dylan Johnson, 68 yards. Woody Marks got kind of banged up. But, again, this game was won thanks to Zach Arnett in this defense. Seven sacks. That's incredible. Ten tackles for loss. Illinois had ten possessions, only two scoring drives, including one field goal. So Mississippi State defense stood tall. Continuation of what they've been doing all season long: this three-three-five Zach Arnett defense, creating havoc for opponents, and Illinois just basically had no answer for it. And that's got to make Zach Arnett happy. He's undefeated now as a head coach. <laughs> what a oh. great start! Potentially a a big and and don't forget going back to our early signing period, national signing day, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they didn't let anyone get out. I think they had one D commit since Zach Arnett's become head coach and they landed an All-American safety that they had to get in-state, Mississippi State's got some momentum under Zach Arnett. And if you're not exactly happy with everything, it sounds like big-time changes are coming. According to Bruce Feldman of The Athletic and Fox Sports, Mississippi State Big moves are coming on Mississippi offensive staff, according to Bruce Feldman. Football Scoop is also reporting the same. They're saying inside receivers coach Drew Hollingshead, outside receivers coach Steve Spurrier Jr., running backs coach Jason Washington, defensive line coach Jeff Phelps. All of those guys are reportedly going to be moving on, according to Football Scoop, with other potential changes possible there in Starkville. So... Zach Arnett working quickly to put his fingerprints on this program. That's uh, another added bonus. We we talked about the timing and everything and signing day, having to get ready for a bowl game. Zach Arnett being named head coach. He also has been there long enough that he can evaluate who's doing a good job, who could be doing better, maybe bring in some of his own guys. We'll have to see who they who they bring in. There is a, a hot rumor, which I don't – put a ton of stock into, but we'll see. Kendall Browse, Arkansas offensive coordinator, that would be a coup of a hire if Zach Arnett could get it. Doesn't quite fit what Will Rogers does at all, so I, I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen, but that is a rumor out there, so we'll have to see about that. But let's kick it over to Zach Arnett. Again, only the second time he's had him a presser here after the bowl win over Illinois. Very prideful in his defense, and I love the fact that uh, <laughs> he gives Leach a shout-out here. Some One of the coaches apparently got uh, proposed to his girlfriend, Zach Arnett. Hmm, I don't know how he feels about that one. And then uh, I just love the fact that he admits Mike Leach would not have been happy about how he handled that uh, end-of-the-game situation. Left too much time for Illinois to potentially pull off a miracle.
0: Zach, uh, after the game you had an assistant coach proposed to his now fiance, you had players signing a mic, banner, you had Will Rogers waving the Mike flag everywhere so emotional for all those guys. What were the emotions kinda like for you after the game being around all of that and you know winning this one? We had a player propose. um, oh. it was possible, you know,
2: proposed to play. Oh I thought Coach Leach had enough viral moments of talking about what to do in terms of marriage, you know, that you would, wouldn't think that would happen. But uh, I guess, in terms of Coach Walsh, I would, I would suggest elope. You know, I would definitely say that. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's an emotional game, obviously. Um, we had we a lot to play for today. Uh, the thing I don't want to get lost in this is we had a chance to get the nine wins, which I believe, and someone can fact check me on this, but I believe is the, the only 10 time in school history. So these players have left a legacy. On mississippi state football and we're incredibly incredibly proud of their efforts and their success this season and it's a perfect springboard into the offseason. season In the game winning field goal what, what was going through your mind as you saw that go through uh yeah i was i was pretty mad at myself because I was a, as a failure of the head coach that should have been the last play of the game and obviously i did a poor job of communicating that we were going to center the ball and you know take the clock down to two or three seconds so that way we ensured that the kick was the last play of the game uh, and that didn't happen so that is a failure of my responsibility as a head coach. And I was, I was pretty angry at myself, because that, that last play should never happen when they had the chance to let the ball all over the field. Um, and I certainly hope that, you know, the, the personal foul there at the end, you have two teams competing, obviously to the maximum there, because the, the game comes down in one play. Really, that never should happen. And so I apologize to Coach Milo about that, because uh, that timeout was taken too early. A, that was completely my fault as a head coach take full ownership of that and uh, hopefully hopefully i learned from my mistake there and it never happens again you guys did just such a great job getting pressure on defense today what did you think of that effort from the defense today and uh, very proud of the defense obviously we're kind of a veteran group over there particularly up front so we needed we need those guys to uh, play to the utmost of their abilities because that's kind of the veteran experience group and in the back end too as well uh, and they did that today i know i i know the last time we we went out on Thanksgiving. I think we had a, a whole bunch of TFLs in that game. I'm excited to see the stat sheet tonight. Uh, but very proud of those
1: guys. Now the other SEC bowl win, huge, epic one. I mean, I mean this was an ass kicking in the Citrus Bowl. LSU 63, Purdue seven. Locker room problems. What? Get the hell out of here with all this internet rumors. Brian Kelly did address it. We'll get to that in a moment. But LSU set it, a Citrus Bowl record. Most points scored in the Citrus Bowl. Most yards, 594, and largest margin of victory in this bowl game. And I, this is big. We haven't had a, a chance to really talk about this LSU bowl game. Kind of got lost in the shuffle. But losing in the SEC championship, losing to Texas A&M as a favorite, You know, A&M, obviously not a very disappointing team. There was a real opportunity for LSU to just – I don't want to say all the momentum would have been lost because they still won the SEC West. They still signed a hell of a class. But with Booty gone, you know, I don't know, losing three games in a row, I think there would have been some questions about Brian Kelly and everything. Well, they just slammed the door shut on all that. There's no shame to losing to Georgia. Everybody's done it for two years in a row aside from one incredible performance from Alabama and then Georgia turned right around and avenged that one. So, again, no shame in losing to to Georgia. Everyone else is doing it. You come, you turn around, you get that bad taste out of your mouth by just whipping the hell out of Purdue. Malik Neighbors, MVP of the Citrus Bowl, nine catches, 163 yards and a touchdown. He was also two for two passing. With 50 yards and a touchdown, he threw one to Jane Daniels. Look at LSU's drive chart. Started with a punt, but then touchdown, 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 touchdown. <laughs> Halftime, touchdown, interception, which was on the eight-yard line. Could have been a touchdown. Touchdown, punt, touchdown. Whereas Purdue, completely, completely shut down. Punt, 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 punt interception, punt. Turnover on downs, interception, punt. I mean, this was a the biggest shellacking we have seen this entire bowl season, nationally televised ABC. This is a great way for LSU to go out. And they did it by maybe getting creative is the word or, you know, they basically, I don't want to say treated this like a spring game, but they played three quarterbacks and helped. Throw in four if you want to include Malik Neighbors, who, again, threw, completed both of his attempts. But Jane Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer rotated in his football game. Jane Daniels looked as good as ever, 12 of 17, 139 through the air, a touchdown, led the team with 67 rushing yards. Still not sure how I feel about Jane Daniels leading the team in, in rushing. Don't want to see that happen again, just because I don't know how sustainable that is given his frame, but he's still doing it. So he's been doing everything for LSU this year, and he continued it in the bowl game. But Garrett Nussmeyer got in and got in early and flashed. He did have the poor interception. Can't have that on the goal line. But he was 11 of 15, 173 yards, two touchdowns of his own. And, my God, does he have a live arm. He's got a better arm than Jane Daniels. Now, he doesn't have the scrambling ability, obviously. he's not. I don't know if there's another quarterback Short of uh, KJ Jefferson, that can compete with Jane Daniels when it comes to running ability in the SEC. But uh, man, Garrett Nussmeyer's got a future. And according to uh, Brody Miller at the Athletic, it's pretty wild. It the, you know it's being reported, and apparently the coaches are aware. Teams are trying to poach Garrett Nussmeyer away from LSU. Actively getting a guy that's played on the field here. It's supposed to be illegal. It is illegal. Not sure how that's going on, going on, but Garrett Nussmeier's got options out there. So this is going to be a fascinating storyline in the spring. Jane Dales, Garrett Nussmeyer, and don't forget Walker Howard, five-star, true freshman. He played a little bit in this game. I believe he was two for four. He was in there just to run out the clock, essentially, get some reps. But LSU averaged 8.5 yards per play, 13.7 yards per completion. Again, just total, total domination 6 of 7 in the red zone and again this has got you feeling good finishing on the right note on a high note they're in baton rouge year one winning 10 games under brian kelly i thought they'd win about seven you know i thought they'd be lucky to win eight hell they were winning 10 games in the sec year one man the arrow could not be pointed higher for this LSU team, and that is something Brian Kelly addressed after the game, along with uh, there's all kinds of rumors out there. Butte, why is he – you know, what happened there and all that. He addresses all that as well as the quarterback uh, situation moving into spring. It's a Citrus Bowl win and everything you've gone through, what will stand out from your first year at LSU?
3: Um, Probably the relationships with the players and developing, you know, new relationships with, you know, 115 players and getting to know them. Um, that that to me in, in year one, the first time uh, here, you know, you you don't know any of the players and they don't know you. I think our first press conference, at, uh, for, I keep saying press conference, our first meeting um, said, hey. We're going to build trust, but it's going to take time uh, for both sides. And, and I think that that's what happened. And I'll, I'll remember that in year one, that process of building trust. Right. Uh, uh
4: Hey, Coach. Uh, with Garrett, was the plan always for him to uh, get some reps in, in, into this game? Mm-hmm. And uh, how, how would you sort of evaluate his perform- performance from today?
3: Yeah, you know, I thought he did well. I mean, and we made it clear he was going to go in in the third series, and and I didn't know what was going to happen after that. But just make made it clear to him, go in, do your job. You know, you got a job to do, get it done, uh, and then we'll roll after that and see how it goes. And obviously, he played a lot more. Uh, Way the game was kind of trending, uh, he got even more uh, playing time. But there's no quarterback controversy. Um, You know, Jalen is our our number one quarterback. Uh, Garrett will get an opportunity to compete, though. Um, And look, the the most important thing is when you have two really good quarterbacks, you have to have an open mind. You can't be closed minded when you're looking at two, you know, elite quarterbacks. So, what we've committed to is an open mind and an open process where you can go in and, you know, we're going to give you an opportunity to continue to grow. Um, And then, you know, that's going to allow uh, both of our quarterbacks and Walker to continue to grow as, as quarterbacks at LSU. Um, Brian, there's been some
1: rumors floating around on social media about something and uh, potential with your program. Are all of your coaches in good standing heading into the offseason with you and the university? Absolutely,
3: 100%. Yes, there is. Look, uh, I hold our players to high standards. And they know that. And we have a high standard. We have a high standard. I've been in it for three decades. Um, We have high standards for everybody that's in our program. And that includes coaches and support staff and anybody that's affiliated with this program. Um, And so they're held to that highest of standard as well. Um, And so there are no coaches or support staff that are currently with me um, that have done anything uh, that would require me uh, to feel as they haven't met the highest of standards uh, that are required within our program. I
2: just want to be quick. Do you think you can carry all three quarterbacks through the spring? And then my other one was just how big of a foundation is this? You talked about a 10th win and momentum and the things needed to, to get that today. Well, now you've done it. How, how does it pay off for you next year? This
3: one is really big. It, it obviously was a uh, convincing win. It showed about more about uh, how our guys handle distractions, but when it's time to get back to preparation, how they can prepare, and and not be distracted uh, by doing things like being at the bowl game, and and that carries on into next year, where they understand that if they stick with their process and preparation, um, they're going to be a really good football team, and and so we got that accomplished today i absolutely 100 percent believe that all three quarterbacks are going to be with us and uh and and all of them we've had conversations with and and feel uh that that's the direction we're going
1: but sticking in the sec west fell she was going to repeat in the west they're going to have to win in tuscaloosa next season it's not going to be obviously maybe the toughest place outside of athens To win in the entire country. But all of a sudden, Alabama's roster, you know, all these were expected, but made official on Monday for declarations to the NFL draft. Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Bryce Young, two time National Defensive Player of the Year Will Anderson. Running back Jameer Gibbs and standout safety Brian Branch all have declared for the upcoming NFL draft. So Alabama's going to have to be rebuilding for the third year in a row. We'll see how that goes. I don't know. I mean, I know they got Dallas Turner, but they don't have another Will Anderson on this team jameer gibbs they don't have another one of him and and sh- certainly by god they don't have a, no one's got another bryce young so it's gonna be fascinating to see how alabama reloads once again they're still gonna be picked to win the west some people probably could pick them to win the sec people i hate kirby in georgia but uh <laughs> i kid i kid but Hey, big news nonetheless. I mean, this was all to be expected, but they held a presser here on Monday. So let's uh, go to the highlights of what these guys had to say as they said their farewells to Alabama after some outstanding careers there in Tuscaloosa.
5: Really proud to be standing up here with uh, these three young men to share with you, you know, their decisions about, you know, their future uh, as football players. Um, but I also want to say a few words about, you know, these guys. You know, I'm I'm very proud of the way these guys have represented the program. Uh, not only the way they played on the field, uh, but the kind of, you know, character as as people, uh, the academic success that they have. Both Will and Bryce has graduated, and Jameer is uh, on track to graduate. Um, these guys showed tremendous leadership and character to make a decision to play in the Sugar Bowl, uh, which I think impacted the entire team uh, with the example that they set uh, and the, the how they cared about their teammates. Um, you know, one being the most inspirational player, one being the most valuable player, uh, and all three being great tr- contributors, you know, to the team all year. You know, these guys have made significant accomplishments to the program. Um, you know, Will and Bryce have been a part of a national championship team, two SEC championship teams, and uh, have contributed in a very positive way to a whole lot of wins here uh, and extending, you know, the ten-win seasons for us to to 15 years. Um, but these guys have been great ambassadors for the program, but they've also been great ambassadors for um, the sport. Uh, and I think the example that they set can be something that can have a tremendous impact and effect on young people, you know, coming up in sports uh, to make good choices and decisions about what they do for their team uh, and how they represent their team,
0: you know, in a first-class way. So, good morning. <coughs> Um, First, I just want to give a huge shout out to the University of Alabama. Um, These past three years have been the best years of my life. They've taken great care of me and my family, um, the coach Saban. Thank you so much for believing in me and giving me this opportunity. I mean, I was just a freshman and he was on my butt every day at practice. Um, To my coaches, my position coaches, Coach Sal, uh, Coach Hessler, thank you for coaching me up, um, showing me a lot of love, showing my people a lot of love, um, getting me to this point and to all my teammates, I thank y'all so much for believing in me, trusting me, giving me confidence to be able to go out there and do my job and help you guys out and um, just being able to uh, respond to me as a good leader and all those good things. But I also have to shout out my family. Uh, they've been my backbone doing this whole time. My mom, my dad, all my sisters my aunties, my grandma, my granddad. I love you guys so much. Thank you for all the love and support, the good times, the bad times, the hard times. Uh, you guys stood by my side, waking up at 3 a.m. and crying in the morning. Y'all was always there for me. I appreciate you guys. Um, I have to give all of the glory to God. Thank you to uh, Josh, Alex, Sid, uh, EP, all the staff that work here. Um, it's just, it just speaks volume to the people that's here because not only did they take care of me, but they really took care of my family. And if you know me, I'm really big on family. And for them to open us with um, welcome arms and help us like that and love on us, it means the absolute world to me.
5: Uh,
4: first and foremost, I'd like to thank thank God uh, without him. Uh, None of this is possible, and through him I can do all things. Uh, I'd like to thank my family, uh, my parents, my mom, my dad, and uh, the rest of my family and everyone who supported me. Um, I'd like to give a huge uh, thanks to, to Coach Saban um, for always believing me uh, and the entire university, um, and, and a, a thank you to, to all the supporters, um, You know, all the, all the fans that helped, everyone in the building. Um, you know, my teammates, my brothers through, through all three years here, um, everyone that I've been able to, 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 to play with and be around are the reason that um, I've been able to, to do what I have while I've been here. Um, also, to thank everyone, all my coaches, everyone who works here, all, everyone on the staff, um, and, and all fastest this has been. Um, you know, coming here was a, the best decision of my life. So, I'm forever grateful for the University of Alabama um, and, and all that, um, and everyone that's uh, with them. And with that being said, I'll, I'll be declaring for the 2023 NFL Draft. Uh, thank you, guys.
1: But Alabama wasn't the only one getting some bad news here on Monday. Let's kick it on down to Fayetteville where defensive end Jordan Dominique has entered the transfer portal, and this is just the latest. You're sitting here saying, what the hell? All these players at Arkansas are jumping into the portal. Dominique transferred in, I believe, from Georgia Tech last offseason, 34 tackles, nine-and-a-half tackles for loss, seven-and-a-half sacks. He was a beast for Arkansas. This is a really good player. They're potentially losing. He could return. You know, maybe he just maybe he needs to get to know Travis Williams a little bit better. I don't know, but or maybe uh, some tampering here as well. <laughs> so uh, another potential big loss for Arkansas's defense. Uh that defensive line is a, is a position of need and he was arguably your best defensive lineman returning. So tough Tough loss potentially for Arkansas if he does not return to the Hill next season. But this ain't – I'm trying not to be Debbie Downer. It's not all bad news for Arkansas because uh, they have reportedly landed Florida State defensive backs coach slash defensive passing game coordinator Marcus Woodson. He's uh, very familiar with the SEC. He's coached at Auburn. I believe he played at Ole Miss, and during his run – as an Auburn defensive backs coach, he had six total draft picks in his final three seasons there at Auburn. So he knows how to develop talent in the defensive backfield. And for Arkansas' sakes, perhaps even more importantly, he knows how to recruit. He was killing it at Florida State, had a five-star committed, several four-stars recruits Georgia, recruits Florida, recruits Mississippi and Alabama. These are areas the Razorbacks are going to be hitting hard under Travis Williams. And Travis Williams, his entire career, has been a a linebackers coach and a defensive coordinator as well. But specializing in linebackers with Michael Scherer, Barry Odom off to UNLV, you needed someone with some defensive backs expertise to help his defense. Marcus Woodson fills that need for this uh, Arkansas defense. I think this is a really good hire for the Razorbacks in just getting a position coach that is this experience and is known recruiter. That seems to be of, of heavy emphasis in Fayetteville and on Sam Pittman's retooled Arkansas staff. Last one in the SEC West, real quick. Texas AM and got some good news here recently. Damani Richardson coming back for a fifth season. That surprises me. I thought he was off... To the NFL, he has been a day one starter since he stepped on the field in College Station. So, I mean, five years starting at the defensive backfield in the SEC, that's pretty awesome. Led the Aggies in tackles this season, and he was critical in the wins over Arkansas and LSU, the two wins that A&M got in conference play. He scored defensive touchdowns, the uh, the KJ jump <laughs> That was Damani Richardson that ended up scoring on that play. And uh, Jay Daniels, I believe it was, fumbled. And Damani Richardson returned it, busted loose that LSU game. So this is a, it, not only a productive player, but an elite playmaker, game changer for Texas A&M's defense. If they are going to make a turnaround, it's going to start with leadership playmaking of Damani Richardson. This is great news for the Aggie defense heading into next season. Now jumping over to the SEC East real quick. This is something uh, apparently was announced a couple days ago. I missed it. But uh, Brady Cook had been playing all season with a torn labrum, according to uh, Eli Drinkowitz, and he is going to be out for the spring. So he suffered this during week two's loss to Kansas State, had to play through it. Maybe that explains um, some of the erratic passing we saw from Brady Cook, but this is interesting on a number of levels because now Sam Horn a guy that Missouri fans have been dying to see touted recruit barely saw the field this season. This is the guy that's supposed to take him to the next level. He had offers from Georgia. I believe I know Tennessee was after him. Josh Heupel wanted him Sam Horn to play quarterback for the Tennessee Vols, but he picked Missouri. And if, Missouri's going to take a step up. Either Brady Cook, Sam Horn, or somebody's got to take his thing to the next level because this offense did not get it done. I'm not telling Mizzou fans anything they didn't know, but this is going to be a trial period all spring if Sam Horn is who he they think he is. I mean, he, you have to assume he's going to be getting all the first-team reps, and maybe that leads him taking a huge jump this spring heading into uh, what could be you know, a season-defining training camp battle under center there in Columbia. So that will be something to watch. And and for a defense that has already gotten the likes of Chris Abrams-Drain, Enos Rakestraw, and Jalon Carlisle back, all spurned the NFL draft. Darius Robinson, starting defensive lineman. Also, some people thought he was jumping to the NFL. He has announced he is back for this Blake baker defense missouri could have one of the best secondaries in the sec next season at least the most experienced no doubt but your secondary is only as good as your defensive line your pass rush so getting robinson back still waiting of some announcements of some others to see what happens with this missouri defense but we are potentially looking at, uh, you know, one of the better units in the SEC. I know most people don't respect Missouri and all that. I get all that, but don't overlook Missouri's defense. And again, if they get better quarterback play, we'll have to see who the offensive coordinator is. It it shouldn't be drinking. I'll just I'll go out on a limb and say that. But what <laughs> we'll have to see what they do at the offensive coordinator. But this is great news for the defense heading into spring football and next season. Now, last little update here, sticking in the SEC East. Florida Gators getting some great news here. Memphis defensive line Cameron Jackson, transfer, multi-year starter for the Tigers. He has made it official. He's a Florida Gator. And on Monday, they got another one. A former elite-touted recruit, Ohio State transfer linebacker Taraj Mitchell, The Gators front seven decimated with defections to the NFL draft, transfer portal additions. This is uh, the first of many, many additions, I have to assume, via the transfer portal. But Florida getting potential impact players on the defensive line at the linebacker position. Great news for Florida heading into spring football. Again, they're going to need more bodies and they're going to need more receivers and potentially even more than hoped because it looks like not official, but it looks like Ricky Pershaw is off to the NFL. He has not officially announced anything, but he shared recently he has been invited to the NFL scouting cam combine. Now, you can't go to the combine and return, but just because he got invited doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go, but that certainly suggests that, uh, well, obviously he's considering it, but it suggests that uh, you know he's got one foot out the door there at Florida, but as we all know, in the world of NIL, Florida may not be, and, and many of these teams, but specifically Florida, they may not want to get into the NIL with recruits of high school players and all that. But they take care of players that are already in uniform, that are making, uh, you know, that that have a name, image, and likeness, so to speak. What the what this whole NIL was supposed to be? It's supposed to be you come to college, you perform. You're a starter. You're a key player. They take care of you like they did Anthony Richardson and some others last fall. I'm just throwing that curveball out there. If I'm a player, I'm sitting on a fence. I'm Spencer Rattler. Hell, Anthony Richardson, this is exactly what I said he should have done. Of course, he's off to the NFL, but I would have just put it out there. Hey, I'm thinking about it. What kind of NIL offers can you make me? Is it worth my time to come back? Maybe. Maybe that's what Ricky Pershaw doing because he would be – their number one receiver there in Florida. And for a team desperate for weapons, losing him would be a tough, tough blow for whoever that next quarterback is there in Gainesville. But hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. Appreciate everybody hanging out with just me on this one. Hopefully get Cousin Shane out of the doghouse soon enough. And like I said, Stephen Lassen scheduled to be on the next show. We should be doing uh, what... Maybe. I know the season is, is basically over for most folks, but this should be one of the best episodes we've ever done with Steven Lassen. Get the conversation going. I think you guys are really, really going to like it. So uh, stick with us. We got tons of more content coming on that SEC podcast. Really appreciate each and every one of you. We'll catch you on the next one.
5: buddy this beers for you mike and cousin shane that sec podcast loves the pirate and the pirate loves that sec podcast hail state